Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's great to be able to join you for this online service. Thank you to Dale for leading us and to Chris for the CSI. Thank you to Peter as well for all your work behind the scenes. Uh, it'd be great if you could have your Bibles open there at Genesis 11 and Genesis 12. And I'll pray uh, before we continue to hear God speak to us through his word. Our Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that you do speak to us through your word, by your spirit. Please would you speak to us now. Uh, help us, Lord, to understand what it means to live by faith. Help us to grow in our faith. And above all, that our faith will be found and centred upon the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. I want to begin this morning by thinking about the word home. What does the word home mean to you? What thoughts and feelings come into your mind when you think about home? Uh, if you're on your own there, just have a think about that yourself. Maybe if there's other people in the house with you, uh, talk to them about it. What does home mean for you? Well, here's some words on the screen that I associate with home. Uh, comfort, familiarity, love, security, warmth, memories, identity. Uh, perhaps you could think of other things that are connected to that word home. When you think of home, there'll be other things that you might think of as well. Well, this morning we're going to meet a man who was called to leave his home. He was called to leave all those things that we associate with our home and to go and make a new home in another place, an unfamiliar place. Uh, we've already heard in our reading and in the CSI, this man's name was Abraham, or he's Abraham when we meet him in Genesis 11. And we're starting a new series this morning on the life of Abraham. And we're going to think about some of the lessons that we can draw from Abraham's example. And I pray this would be helpful for us. Because Abraham is described in the Bible as somebody who walked by faith. And his life gives us an insight into what faith looks like in practice. And I think that's really important for us, especially during this, this time of, of national and international crisis, that we understand what faith is. Because this is a time that calls for faith. And it's a time that is going to test our faith. So it's crucial that we really understand what faith is and, and what it looks like in practice. And Abraham gives us a, a real life example of faith. So let's start at the beginning of Abraham's story. It's a good place to start. Uh, and we're going to go to Genesis 11, verse 27. But the story of Abraham actually begins not with Abraham, but with his father, Terah. Uh, and really the rest of Genesis is the story of Terah's family. Terah is in the line of Shem. And you might remember uh, that Shem is the second son of Noah. And Shem's line is a line of blessing. Uh, Noah blessed his son Shem. And it's also the line of faithfulness as well. Through this line of, of Shem, and later on, Terah and Abraham and, and through uh, Abraham's descendants, as Chris mentioned in the CSI, the Lord Jesus Christ comes 
from this line. So we might be surprised then that when Abraham is called by God, that his family, Terah's family, don't actually worship the Lord. They perhaps don't even know who the Lord is. They worshiped and served other gods. Uh, we know that from uh, a reference in Joshua chapter 24. In fact, they lived in a place that was uh, known for moon worship. So it's likely that Abraham and his family worshiped the moon, perhaps among other gods. Uh, the place where they lived was called Ur of the Chaldeans. Now we've got a map here on the screen, and I wonder if you can find on the screen where Ur is. Uh, this was Abraham's home city. It was a city of about half a million people. And it wasn't a bad place to call home. We know from archaeological evidence that it was a civilized place. It was a cultured place. But it was also a place of spiritual darkness. And Abraham and his family are living in that darkness when God calls him. They served other gods. And that's where all of us are when God calls us. All of us are in spiritual darkness. All of us are serving other gods before uh, the one true God reveals himself to us and calls us to follow him. Now, why did God choose to call Abraham? What was so special about Abraham that, that God would choose him? Out of all the people who lived in Ur, out of all the people in the world at that time, why would God choose this one man, Abraham, and call him to a, a new land and call him to follow him? Well, the answer really is nothing to do with Abraham, but everything to do with God. It's because of God's sovereign love and God's sovereign grace that Abraham is chosen and called. He is called out of darkness and he is called to follow the one true God. And that's God's grace. It's God who takes the initiative in seeking Abraham and calling him, just like we heard at the start of the service, that Jesus sought out Zacchaeus and called him because he came to seek and to save the lost. Well, God is doing that with Abraham. He's seeking this man out. He's calling him by his grace out of darkness to walk in his light. But this call comes at a cost for Abraham. Uh, Abraham is called to leave three things behind by God. And these three things get increasingly personal. So firstly, God says to Abraham, leave your country, leave your people and leave your father's household. Everything that Abraham would have so associated with home he was being called to leave behind the place where he lived the people he lived amongst and most personal of all his own family his father's household he's back being asked to leave behind comfort and security and familiarity and to go into an un unknown place to go somewhere that was not familiar now, Abraham responds to this call in two phases. First, he leaves Ur to go to a place called Haran. Now, I wonder if you can find Haran on the map. It's about halfway between Ur and the land of Canaan. And for this part of the journey, Abraham's father, Terah, goes with him. And I wonder what the 
neighbours thought as Abraham and Terah and Lot, Abraham's nephew, and, and the family and all their possessions are uprooted and they leave Ur, this settled place, this place of civilization and culture. They leave that place and they go off towards Haran. Uh, actually, they were going in the wrong direction. Most people at that time, if they were going to emigrate, they would move from the east, so, sorry, from the west to the east. But what Abraham and his family are doing, they're going from east to west. They're going against the time. They're going in the wrong direction. And I'm sure it would have raised a few eyebrows in Ur as, as they went uh, west to Haran. So they settled in Haran. And this is where Terah dies, Abraham's father. He dies halfway to the promised land. Uh, he starts the journey, but he doesn't reach the destination. And many people do that. Many people start off on a journey of faith towards God. They make good intentions. They start out the journey, but they never reach the destination. But God would not allow that to happen for Abraham. It seems that when Abraham is settled in Haran, that he either gets an, another call or, or perhaps a, a, a nudge towards the promised land. And we read in verse four that he's off again. He leaves Haran for the land of Canaan. If you've moved homes a number of times, then you'll know how disruptive it is to be in one place and then to move to another, then to have to move to another place. Uh, I worked out earlier that uh, within our, our first 10 or so years of marriage, Sarah and I lived in six different homes. And that can be unsettling. You're just settled into one place and then you move to another. And it must have been unsettling for Abraham to have to have moved again. They've just got settled in Haran, and now they're moving away from Haran, away from his family, leaving probably Terah, his father, behind, and going to the land of Canaan. Haran was a place where Abraham and his family had got comfortable. Uh, they got wealthy there. They had security. We're told uh, that in verse 5, they accumulated possessions. And they acquired people in Haran. They had made a home for themselves in Haran. But now they were leaving another home behind, again to go into the unknown, to go somewhere unfamiliar. But Abraham leaves all that behind to be obedient to God's call. But what I want, really want us to see this morning is that Abraham's obedience and what he left behind is far outweighed by the blessings of what God was going to give him in response to the, uh, the, the call and response to Abraham's uh, leaving his, his family and, and going to the place God had called him to do. Uh, what God promised Abraham more than made up what Abraham would have to leave behind. Uh, Abraham is given one command to go. And God gives seven promises in return. So what was Abraham promised? Well, Abraham is leaving his homeland behind, but he's promised a new place, a new land. Verse two, go to the land I will show you. And verse seven, to your offspring, I will give this land. 
The land was an important part of God's promise to Abraham and also to Abraham's descendants after him. And Abraham also had to leave his people. But God was promising him a new people. I will make of you a great nation, uh, verse 2. That's the second key part of God's promises. A place and a people. And Abraham's family would become a great nation, the nation of Israel. And it's just worth pointing out here that both of these things that Abraham is being promised by God, humanly speaking, are impossible for Abraham to have. Uh, this land that he's being promised, at the moment, other people are living in that land. Abraham doesn't have any claim to that land, humanly speaking. And as for a new people, well, we're told quite clearly that Abraham and his wife Sarai don't have a child. In fact, Sarai was barren. They had no possibility of having a child, humanly speaking. So both of these promises of, of God to Abraham, they are impossible. And that tells us something else about God's promises. But Abraham has also promised a great name and a great blessing. And a blessing that would not just be for Abraham and Abraham's family, but a blessing that would spread out to the whole world. God says to Abraham, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham will be the source of universal blessing to the world. We'll see that on, on the next slide. So it's important that we see that although the Lord commands obedience of Abraham, he is also making wonderful promises to Abraham. In fact, the only reason that Abraham is able to obey God's call is because of God's promise. And the thing that connects those two, those two things together, God's promises and our obedience, is something called faith. Now, the word faith doesn't actually appear in this passage, but that is what Abraham is displaying here as he responds to God's call. Uh, we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, by faith. Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. So what Abraham is doing here in leaving his home and going to another place is an example of faith. And we're being taught here how faith works. There is a danger that we might think, well, Abraham was this great man of faith. And I can't have the same kind of faith that Abraham had. That faith that he had to leave his home and to leave everything that was familiar and secure. I, I just don't have that kind of faith. I, I could never do something like, like Abraham did. Well, we're not meant to be like Abraham, uh, but we are called to imitate his faith. And we need to understand two important things about Abraham's faith, which is true for all of us. Firstly, faith is founded on the promises of God. And secondly, faith is produced by the word of God. Without the promises of God and without the word of God, Abraham's faith would not have existed. And so we need to remember that just like with Abraham, our faith is not something that starts within us. 
faith comes from outside of us. It comes to us from God as a gift. Its source is in the promises of God, which we hear through the word of God. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. As we hear the word of Christ, as we hear the gospel, we're hearing the promises of God that are contained in the gospel. The gospel is the foundation for our faith. Without the gospel, we would have no faith. And that's the same for Abraham. The gospel was the foundation for Abraham's faith. After this service is finished, why not have a look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians is one of Paul's letters in the New Testament, and he talks a lot in chapter 3 of Galatians about uh, Abraham's faith and what this means for us. And Paul says that the gospel was being proclaimed to Abraham when God is making these promises here in Genesis 12. Abraham is hearing the gospel 4,000, sorry, 2,000 years before Christ, 4,000 years before we now live. Abraham is hearing the gospel. And the reason why he's hearing the gospel is because these promises that he's hearing from God will ultimately find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And you can read that in Galatians 3 verse 14. The blessings God promised to Abraham come to us today, 4,000 years later, through Jesus Christ. So when God says to Abraham, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The you is not ultimately Abraham. The you ultimately is Christ. And if you belong to Jesus today, then you are part of Abraham's family. You're an heir of the promises that Abraham was given. You're an heir of the blessings given to Abraham. And those blessings come to you through Christ. And if we're children of Abraham, then we're also called to be obedient to God's call, just like Abraham was. Because faith, once it's received, produces obedience. Uh, we're going to have a look at Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 to 39. And the words are there on the screen. Uh, these are the words of Jesus. And this is Christ's call to his followers. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now that's a, a serious call, isn't it? That is a demanding call. A call to obedience, a call to lay down our lives and to follow Christ. But just like with Abraham, the demands of Christ on our lives, that the call of Christ is far outweighed by the blessings that Christ, followed, that Christ promises us in the gospel. So here's another passage from another gospel, Mark chapter 10, verse 28 to 30. Peter has just said to Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. 
And Abraham could say the same to God. Lord, I've left everything to follow you. And this is Jesus' response to Peter. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. So you see that the Lord Jesus never just gives us demands to obey. He also gives us promises to believe in, to trust in. And those promises far outweigh any demands that he places on our lives. Perhaps in following Jesus, we might have to leave our home in some way. But he promises a new home, a new place, an eternal home. Maybe we have to, to leave behind our families in some way. If not physically, then, then at least in a sense, we don't have that same connection anymore if our family aren't believers. But Jesus offers us a new family, a new people. And our faith in Christ is founded on these promises, which we receive through his word, the promise of eternal blessing. Peter, if you just go back to the, the previous slide. So wonderful promises that we are being offered by Christ. And only when we've trusted in those promises are we then able to obey. Only once we uh, take in what Jesus says in Mark 10, can we do what uh, Jesus calls of us uh, in, in our reading from Matthew's gospel. The legendary tightrope walker, Charles Blondin, crossed the Niagara Falls about 300 times in his career. And on one of those occasions, uh, he took somebody else across the tightrope with him, across uh, the falls below, with all their raging and the, the, the danger that was involved in crossing that tightrope. Um, that man was his manager, uh, Harry Colcart. Now, do you think that uh, that man, Blondie's manager, would have crossed the tightrope on the back of Blondin? If he didn't trust him first, if he didn't think that Blondin was able to get across that tightrope safely and bring them both to the other side. See, he trusted first and then he went. And that's what we do. Faith comes before obedience. And our faith depends on the, the promises and on the character, not of a human being, but on God himself the one who we can have absolute trust and confidence in. And that means that walking by faith is not a leap into the dark. We're not being asked to step across the Niagara Falls out on our own and just hope for the best. No, we're given firm promises to trust him. We are told what lies ahead. We're told what we're being promised. A new home, a new people to be a part of. We're promised eternal blessings in the life to come. We're not being asked to step out blindly and just hope for the best. We have firm promises to believe in, given 
to us by somebody that we can trust. So let me ask you as we begin to close, have you trusted in the promises of Christ? Have you trusted in the promises that he holds out to you in the gospel, that the promise of your sins being forgiven, your guilty conscience being wiped clean? Have you trusted in the hope of eternal life that Jesus is holding out to you? You cannot follow Christ obediently without first trusting in his promises. Perhaps you have trusted Christ. Perhaps you are following him obediently. But maybe there's something that, that Christ is calling you to give up. Maybe there is something that uh, he's asking you to leave behind in order to be faithful to him. But you don't want to be obedient in that area of your life. You don't want to give up that particular sin, that particular habit. Maybe there's somewhere he's calling you to go and you don't really want to go there. It isn't the case for all of us that we're going to be asked to leave our homes to follow Jesus, but some of us might be. Or maybe he's not calling us to, to leave somewhere. Maybe he's calling us to stay in a situation that's really hard, in a place where it's difficult for us to be faithful. Perhaps you've followed Jesus faithfully for a number of years, but actually right now you're finding that path of obedience difficult. And you're really feeling the cost of that call to follow Christ. And maybe right now you feel like giving up. There's a man in the New Testament called Demas. We were introduced to him in Paul's letters. He was one of Paul's co-workers. And we hear his name mentioned a few times in the New Testament. But the final time we hear of him in 2 Timothy, he has deserted Paul. Paul is in prison in Rome. He is on death row. He's awaiting execution. And Rome is probably the, the hardest place in the whole empire to be a Christian at that point. Uh, Rome is right at the center of, of persecution. And Demas leaves Rome and he goes to a different place. He deserts Paul and he goes somewhere where it's easier to be a Christian. And the reason why he does this is Paul says he loved this present world. This world was his home. His comfort, his security, his hopes, his dreams. All those things were found in this world. This world was his home. And so when following Jesus got tough, as it inevitably will for all of us in some way, he deserted. Demas deserted. He was not willing to give up what he had in this world in order to, to be obedient to Christ and his call. But Abraham was different. Abraham was able to remain obedient to God's call because he held on to God's promises. He didn't lose sight of God's promises. He was able to leave behind a, a home in this world because he knew he was being offered a better home, a future home, a heavenly home. 
because that's what faith does. Faith looks forward to a new hope. I'm going to close by reading from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 to 16. And these words again will be on the screen. All these people, including Abraham, were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Well, let's pray together as we close. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. Lord, help us to be the kind of disciples who say, I'm willing to give up everything, go anywhere and do anything for you. We acknowledge our failures and our sin. We confess our unbelief. We thank you that our faith depends not on us, but on your precious, rock-solid promises. Help us to trust your promises. Help us to obey your call on our lives. And as we do so, keep our eyes fixed on that future home that you've promised, where we will enjoy your blessings forever. Amen.